Hello, College of Charleston basketball fans. Welcome back to the Holy City Hoops podcast. Congrats to all of you who got through final exams and made it through the semester. And to those of you who graduated long ago, uh, congrats on being a little bit closer to the holidays. Another week of college basketball has come and gone. It was another 2-0 week for the Cougars. 10-1 on the season now. Still hard to believe. Sometimes you just have to take a step back. 10 wins in 11 games. 9 wins in a row. I don't think even the most optimistic Cougar fans would have had that penciled in when the schedule was released this past summer. Pretty cool stuff. We did, however, have a game that was closer than expected. Former CFC assistant Quinton Farrell and his Presbyterian team hosted the Cougars, and did not give them anything easy. Here to discuss that and much more is friend of the program, Redshirt Jr. We're also going to talk briefly about the North Greenville game. Not much to take away from that one other than the fact that it looks like we won't be seeing any of the scholarship freshmen this season. We also do a bit of a whip around the CAA with just a few more games to go until conference play starts, and toward the end of the episode, we'll revisit the AP Top 25 poll and speculate on where Charleston could be today. Quick programming note, I mentioned this toward the end of the show, but we will be taking a holiday break either after this episode or after next week's. Honestly, there's just not a lot of games between now and New Year's Eve. We may just play it by ear. All the more reason to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss anything. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Let's get into it. Okay, Redshirt Jr. is back on the podcast this week. We had a drama-free North Greenville game today. It is Sunday afternoon. We're recording this podcast. Redshirt Jr., a.k.a. RJ, how are you? I'm good, Tommy. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Can't complain. Another 2-0 week for the Cougs. They avoided a letdown game in their exam week tune-up. I also speculated that I think there's some a bug going around. I think some of the guys are under the weather. Didn't make a difference against North Greenville, but you and I talked beforehand. Let's start chronologically because this Presbyterian game has a lot more items to chew on this week. I'll start with you. What did you take away from the PC game, and do you have any concerns after that contest? Well, going into the PC game, I was expecting um, a bit of a grinder, even though we were pretty heavily favored. Um, Just you always know that... Quentin Farrell and the Earl Grant coaching tree, they're going to make it really tough um, on offense for the Cougars, but they're going to defend with a lot of intensity. Um, even still, I uh, didn't really expect to maybe, you know, get down. I think we were down like eight or something in the first half and uh, started looking a bit dicey. So I was uh, pretty proud of how we responded in the moment. I felt like we were able to make some adjustments in game that you know, it might not be the prettiest result, but we were still able to correct some things that were going wrong. So ultimately not too concerned coming out of it, but yeah, it was definitely more of a scare than we expected. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think a few fans were maybe second guessing things after this game. I'm not going to go that far. First of all, we saw that Earl Grant defense. That's the first thing that stood out to me. It was like, man, this looks familiar. And this is the exact type of game that Earl Grant used to do really well at right offensively minded team with a suspect defense that's kind of the Cougs this year those are always the games that the Earl Grant era Cougars did really well against okay you shut down their number one score or you you know really slow them down on offense and if you don't have a great defense even a so-so Earl Grant Quentin Farrell offense can do okay and that's kind of what we saw and they were pressuring the ball really aggressively they rebound they took care of the ball just like those Earl Grant CFC teams did 
So it's kind of like looking in a mirror or looking back at like some old Earl Grant tape. But I knew there would be some tough games on the road. There always is. And I know Charleston's getting top 25 votes at this point, but you're still going to get in these games where, you know, you didn't expect to be. But I'm with you. Charleston, you know, made some plays down the stretch, especially from their grad players, which I want to get to a little bit later. Raekwon Horton was the MVP of this game for me. It was great to see him have a great uh, game after last week we questioned, uh, like, you know, is Raekwon Horton being kind of relegated to a, a deep in the bench type role? He was instrumental in Charleston avoiding an upset in this game. So I'm not I'm not too concerned coming out of that PC game. Just glad the guys could get a win. Yeah, and those Raekwon Horton moments were huge. Um, in the first half, he hit back-to-back threes to, for us to take the first lead since, you know, I think, two minutes into the game. And then another big three at the end. And yeah, good to see him involved, not only just getting the minutes in clutch situations there, but also delivering. And yeah, to your point on the defense, I, I noticed that uh, I was looking at all the 300 and below ranked Ken Palm teams and Presbyterians, a better defense than I think all but one or two of them. So that might not be saying a ton, but it's it's kind of easy to overlook them when they're going to make you work for every possession. Yeah, they definitely made Charleston work for every possession. I thought Charleston's two biggest issues in this game were if they're going to make the three-point shot as big a part of their offense as they have to this point, and you have an off night, you're going to find yourself in some close games, and that's kind of what happened in this one. Outside of Raekwon Horton shooting three for four from deep, the rest of the team was four for 18, 22%. So, you know, that's going to happen some nights. Luckily, Raekwon Horton bailed them out. And the Charleston two-point defense still isn't great. They still, you know, defend the perimeter really well. But teams that can pass really well or offensive rebound to the extent that Charleston can, can stay stay close. That's what Kent State did. That's what Virginia Tech did. And I thought that's what Presbyterian did. So at the end of the day, Charleston's got the depth and the athleticism. And they had an on-night from a reserve player like Raekwon. But it wasn't a perfect game from Charleston by any standard. And that's kind of what we saw against Citadel, too. So hopefully they're just... You know, being on the road the first couple times this season, they've kind of gotten it out of their system. Um, but you can't really complain walking them out of there with a win. Right. And I felt that a huge story in this game was the foul calls. Um, not only yeah. not like did we, it, did we top did we top 50 in this one or was that just the UNCW game? Just the UNCW game. We had 45 in this one. And simultaneously, the UNCW Eastern Carolina game had like 52 or something like that. Um, and, and I thought that even when sometimes Presbyterians getting called for a, like a touch foul, when we have the ball, it was taking us out of our rhythm where Presbyterian would rather slow it down, force you to inbound again, uh, as opposed to, you know, running up and down the floor after a rebound. So it was, it was like, even when their guys were getting whistled for, whistled for fouls, uh, it might've been hindering our offense a little bit. And then at the same time, we probably got a bit fortunate because by the end of the game, uh, three of their key players had fouled out, yeah. so that definitely helps. Yeah, the only guys in foul trouble really for CFC were five, who had four, and Berzovich, who had three. And Kelsey was pretty conservative with their minutes. I thought those guys could have played down the stretch, but he just went with the guys who weren't anywhere near the, the foul threshold. Uh, in terms of free throws, though, Charleston was 20 for 31. PC had 17 attempts. They made 11 of them. So that definitely swung the game in one direction. Um, but yeah, whistle, whistle happy crew uh, up there in PC the other night. Presbyterian really did something, again, that Earl Grant's teams did, which was control the pace of the game. This was 
much more of a rock fight than games Charleston has been in recently. Uh, they put Charleston in a million ball screens on defense too. They made them really defend, uh, really push that man-to-man defense that Charleston plays. And just, yeah, it was a, it was a grinded out game. And I also thought Presbyterian also brought the energy from the jump. I thought Charleston was a little bit sleepy, kind of how we saw against Citadel. Presbyterian did not have much of a crowd on hand, but they did get loud for, for stretches of the game. And it seemed like Presbyterian, and we're going to see this a lot, they knew the caliber of team coming in, and Charleston has a target on their backs with all the, the press and accolades they're getting. So PC seemed pretty fired up, where Charleston seemed like they're maybe trying to feel out the game a little bit. And PC came and, and punched him in the mouth, but... Again, credit to Raekwon Horton and uh, the rest of the Cougs for for not wilting. Yeah, the uh, the crowd, like you mentioned, is really not that large, but they were making a big impact, and you could definitely tell by the reactions. The Cougars are marked uh, the best team in the state, some might say. So, I say that. Yeah, <laughs> I think most people would say that at this point. But uh, yeah, definitely probably some regional rivalries, like guys who already know each other and have something to prove. Plus, we got the uh, Trevon Reddish Roan. Encore, former Cougar. Although he was just just Trevon Reddish at the time. Right. He had some nice moments his freshman year. I remember he had a an alley-oop dunk to Brendan Tucker against William & Mary. That was waved off. That was a sick play. But yeah, he's he's developed into a nice, nice little player for them. Uh, he was good that night. Um, okay, let's talk about down the stretch because I want to highlight this is kind of the difference between last year's squad and the difference that having so many grad transfers on your team makes. So in addition to Raekwon Horton being really hot and, and keeping Charleston in this game, PC was just hanging around, just hanging around. They were never got down by more than three or four. And then down the stretch, the fourth, the fifth-year guys spearheaded the 7-0 run. So it was a Ryan Larson three. Then Jalen Scott played really good post-defense and I think got a defensive rebound. And then Pat Robinson gets a second-chance layup on the other end. And then I think maybe even during that stretch was like the Raekwon Horton steal where he saves it out from going out of bounds back to Dalton Bull and Dalton Bolin scores. So all the, the veteran guys made the difference down the stretch. And I wonder, and I pose this question to you, this felt a lot like the Furman game last year where Furman was, was just hanging around and then they came back and won that game. Do you think last year's Charleston team would have walked out with a victory as this year's team did? Same circumstances. Well, when you look at our end game uh, variance, I guess, at the end of last year, it, it really came out to be like a coin flip. And I think that's what we would have had again with last year's team. Um, I bet it would have been similar in terms of a gritty, you know, only a couple possession game. And like you mentioned, now we have all this experience out there that I felt that this time around, we really valued the ball a lot better. Um we missed a few key free throws that probably put this thing away if we hit them, but mm-hmm. ultimately played really sound defense the last you know two and a half minutes and and made our shots and executed really well. So I think that is market improvement from last year. And I also noticed that uh, we're playing a little bit slower on offense this year so far. It's a 1.1 seconds per possession slower, which doesn't mm-hmm. really seem like a big deal. It's probably not that big a deal, but I think that kind of reflects that you know, we're not just going breakneck down the court. We're being a bit more intentional and we have more guys who can play ISO as opposed to just dumping it down to Meeks or something like that. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me is this year's team, I think, is so much better in crunch time. A lot of people are like, yeah, it's just because we have a point guard now and Ryan Larson. But 
I think we share the ball a lot better in crunch time and get better shots. It's not just iso ball to Underwood or to Meeks or to Smith. Um, there's not the dumb fouls at the end of games to put teams on the line. And, yeah, they've just been a little bit more clutch of getting a basket when they need it, whether it's dumping it down to Pat Robinson or, you know, Jalen Scott gets open in the corner. We've seen a couple different guys hit big-time shots. And it's just the responsibilities distributed a little bit more evenly. The guys are playing a little bit smarter. They're handling the ball better. They didn't hit the free throws in this game, but they've been pretty good from the line, even in the clutch other than that. So, yeah, I think, you know, if you tell me last year's team goes one for four at the free throw line down in the final seconds, I don't know. I think I'm with you. It probably would have been a coin flip type game, but I never felt like Charleston was in danger of really losing this one, but PC really just hung around the entire time. Yeah, and we got up 10 with four minutes to go or something like that. And at that point, you're sort of feeling like, yeah, it's over. And and where we didn't put them away, we still were able to maintain the lead and, and really manage the game well. Anything else from this one? Um, not really. I only just noticed that, you know, this continuing trend of teams really prioritizing Rain Smith on defense where he only had a few looks mm-hmm. and, and it was just hard to get him the ball. And I think it's it's a shame for everyone who wants to see some rain triples, but I think we're seeing that that strategy is kind of ineffective just because what we've been saying, there's so many guys that can make a play. It's more complicated than that, uh, trying to scheme for us on defense. Yeah, and that's actually a nice segue into the North of Greenville game because I do think it was a bit of a get-right game for guys like Rain, Ben Burnham, definitely, maybe even Dalton Bolin and Chuck Lampton a little bit. So the typical uh, post-exams or during-exams kind of tune-up game, we've seen Charleston play non-D1 games uh, in this slot in the past. I am not a fan of playing non-Division one games. I think there's enough D1 teams with like 360-plus that you can probably you know, schedule somebody, but most of the teams in the CAA, if they're going to play a D1 game, they do it during this time of year. I'm glad Charleston's not padding the schedule with other ones like uh, like other CAA hoops teams tend to do. But, you know, this one, not much you can glean from it. Charleston was up 30 most of the game. Chuck Lampton was attempting three-point shots at one point, which was just wild to see. Uh, no Babacar Fi in this game, which was maybe the only real story coming out of this. He was on the bench, which makes me think it's not any sort of like suspension or academic issue or anything like that. It seems like there's a flu bug going around. I think Rain Smith was a little sick for the PC game, and I think Dalton Bowen was under the weather this week. So it could have been that, could have been preventative, maybe tweak something, but Berzovich gets the start. Cougars didn't really miss anything. North Greenville, for those who don't know, D2 program. They played a conference game less than 24 hours before this game, so I'm guessing they were completely gassed, but that's just the life of a D2 team, but for a Charleston team where three starters in this game came from the D2 level, I would hope they would not overlook a D2 team, Uh, and they didn't. You know, North Greenville has a little bit of talent. They made some shots, but Charleston was really in cruise control for this entire thing, and Rain Smith does get a chance to drill a couple shots. Maybe he finds himself in a little bit of rhythm, but Ben Burnham has a 17 in this game, I think was his final, final tally. We talked on the podcast last week about both Ray and Ben. You know, where do they fit in now? And here we are a week later. Raekwon Horton has 15 huge points against PC. Ben Burnham has maybe his best game of the year against North Greenville. We don't have to spend too much time on this North Greenville game, but what do you take away from it? 
Well, I do think it's good to get more run for the guys off the bench in a pretty low stakes situation. Um, like you said, get right game for Ben Burnham is great. And obviously wishing the best for Babakar Fai and hope to get him back for the next D1 game. Um, but I guess maybe the benefit of that is you get to play Charles Lampton 19 minutes. Ben yep. Burnham gets 22. So good, good game to uh, just kind of work on everything we're trying to do, get everyone involved. And I did see that... Uh, Bolin went four for six from three and rain went five for 13. So that'll get it done. Yeah. The number of threes we took in this game was pretty absurd, but Charleston, it seemed like Charleston was giving maybe like 60 to 75% effort it, for most of the game it was kind of sloppy. You could tell the team hadn't practiced much with exams going on and maybe even with the, the bug going around, but they were almost like oversharing the ball for many portions of the game. Just like trying to pass like, in gym class when he's like, you have to pass it three times before you shoot. There's a little bit of that in this game. So I think their assist numbers were like way up from a normal game. But yeah, I'm just, I'm glad Rain could find some rhythm. He seems to have been struggling as of late. Dalton Bolin even has, has been a little bit streaky. And you're right about Chuck. Like if Fi is going to be out a little bit, uh, a couple games, we're going to need Lampton. And he's kind of been the odd man out in that 10-man rotation recently. And I wish he... You know, we could have seen a little bit more production out of him, but good for him to get some reps in because it's very possible that we need him for, for some good minutes. Yeah, the, the box score on Lampton is a little funny. He played 19 minutes, only one shot attempt, and it was from three. Wow, yeah, that's that sounds right. He was hacked a couple times. His thing, I mean, poor Everett German is going to have a damn aneurysm every time Chuck gets a rebound and brings the ball down to his knees and gets stripped. Every time him and Danny Johnson are like, dude, you're 6'10". Just hold the ball above every... Like, North Greenville Center 6'4". Just hold the ball up and just put it back. You know, there's no no need to bring the ball down. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm rooting for Chuck to, to turn it around. But we need him to, uh, you know, stop the, the dumb fouls and catch the ball clean a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, since there wasn't much to glean from this one, I wanted to keep you around to talk CAA hoops and some bigger picture stuff as well. You do CAA hoops spaghetti, you call it. Ken Palm spaghetti, something like that on Twitter. Why don't you explain what exactly that is? Well, I started doing it last season, just seeing how much a team's Ken Palm rating can change, even over the course of a month, but especially from the beginning of the year. So I just started keeping a record basically weekly, sometimes a little more frequent than that. Uh, and putting a chart on Twitter for everyone to look at, uh, just so you can sort of see what we expected coming into the season and how things are changing. And that can be due to an injury or a team changing their style. You kind of have to draw your own conclusions, I guess. But uh, definitely seen the conference sort of morphing uh, in real time. Yeah. So what have you seen in terms of trend data from the beginning of the season until now? Well, Charleston is definitely one of the stories with how much they've moved up from their initial ranking. I think they started like 195 and last I saw they were 99. Uh, so they're a big mover up. And then UNC Wilmington is the next really big mover up and they started 200 something and they're now firmly in the top four conversation as far as a Kempom rating goes. And I think everyone who's watched some games would also probably agree with that. Um, so those two have moved up a lot from where they finished last year and what we expected coming in this year. 
Uh, and then William and Mary is kind of a, I got an eye on them just because they moved up a good bit. They have a ton of new players. It's a really different team from last year. Um, but they, I was looking at their results and their second halves, like the last three games, I want to say they've been outscored by 45 or it's something terrible. So they're like, they're a different team in the first and second half. That's an interesting little tidbit, but uh, yeah, those three have been the big surgers, I guess that have overperformed. Well, what, what stands out to me is like, you're definitely seeing a pretty hard split in the top tier and the bottom tier and not much of a middle in the CAA. And that's, different from years past where we've had a lot of parity but there's a very clear top four which is Towson Charleston Hofstra and UNCW now there's almost nobody in the middle but it's definitely Drexel and Delaware I think they're clearly a tier under that top four and I think they're clearly a tier above the bottom group and that bottom group is pretty ugly it's Northeastern NCA and T who's probably the best of the new teams William and Mary and then Monmouth Hampton Elon and Stony Brook are all some of the worst teams in Division One basketball so far this season. I mean, am I interpreting that correctly? Is is there, like, it seems like there's very clear, like, a haves and have-nots, and Delaware and Drexel are just kind of hanging out in the middle. Yeah, I would say you are interpreting that correctly. And uh, that was sort of the story, as you said, last year and for most years past where coming into, even after the non-conference schedule, you're saying, man, it's wide open. Like, anyone could win this year. And... I think we can just cross off a few teams off the bat this year. And I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic in the conference schedule who ends, you know, which teams end up getting more games against the really bottom tier and who has to play a tougher schedule. But uh, yeah, we've seen Stony Brook and Monmouth and Elon all just really tank from their preseason ratings, which already were not, you know, world beating expectations. But yeah, I think especially this Monmouth team, has some real holes that it's going to be a, a big challenge for them. Well, it'll be interesting to see who gets Victor Wembanyama in the NBA draft lottery. I mean, Monmouth's putting in a, a really good tank race, uh, <laughs> Hampton and Elon as well. With the new look CAA, we don't play every team home and away. So Charleston is going to play at Towson and host Towson. They're going to play at UNCW and host UNCW, and they're going to host Hofstra, but no trip up to Hofstra. And I think a lot of people are rightfully assuming that whoever has the best record amongst those top four teams is going to be in the best position for seeding. But maybe more importantly, like how much potential is there for a two bid CAA? Because Charleston, I think to this point, has the best shot at that. I think they have to run the table the rest of non-conference and then like at worst get a split against UNCW, Towson and Maybe like even with a loss to Hofstra, they can be in. But does anybody else in the CAA have a resume for an at-large besides Charleston? I would say no. It would take some probably pretty shocking run to to change that. But not only does Charleston have the best resume, I mean, we have the best two or actually, sorry, I have to correct myself. We have two of the best wins in the conference. We beat Virginia Tech at 28 on Ken Palm, Kent State at 64. Hofstra beat Iona at 57 and UNCW beat North Texas at 68. But I mean, and while those are really high quality wins for the conference, I just don't think there's really anything that can be done to be at work at, uh, at large worthy, given how we've seen the committee award bids in the past. So uh, the two bid CAA 
technically has a chance. Um, we definitely need the Cougars to keep rolling, and I would love that to happen. But yeah, I, it seems unlikely that anyone else would be able to get in at large. Yeah, UNCW is definitely the hottest. I guess they're not the hottest team. The hottest team outside of Charleston. They've been ripping off wins, and they lost to good teams. I think they lost. They've lost three games so far, or two games. The only way two bid CAA happens is if a team like Towson wins the CAA and Charleston, you know, runs the table. Um, but we're gonna know a lot about where the top two teams stand after New Year's Eve. That is the Towson Charleston matchup at Towson on CBS Sports Network, New Year's Eve afternoon. I think it's like a 1 p.m. tip. That's going to go a long way in, you know, who has the early advantage in the CAA horse race. And I think whoever comes out of that game as the winner has to be the favorite at that point. Do you agree with that? I would agree with that. And yeah, just just you previewing it there. I'm getting juiced up for it. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm glad that we get uh, a test on the road first. Uh, I, I like that we get the second chance at them at home uh, and see what we're made of in Towson. And you're also going up to Towson, probably not going to have any students on campus. It's between Christmas and New Year's. Um, it's an afternoon tip. I don't know what kind of crowd is going to be there. Not not the worst time to get Towson. It's a lot better than getting them on you know a Thursday night in prime time. I have an idea to sabotage the Tigers. We go to okay, Towson. We, we throw the most raging New Year's Eve party ever. We get the whole team there, and that's it. We, we okay. keep them up late. <laughs> they got to stay up till the nice, ball drops. Nice. Yeah. I can't believe they dropped that game to Clemson the other day. I really thought the Towson Tigers. I almost said the Tigers, but they're both Tigers. Ah, that would have been a that would have been a good good win for Towson. They are missing some of their best players. They're they're a little bit banged up, but. You got you to gotta put away Clemson. Now Clemson's going to think they're the best team in the in the state. We can't have that. Yeah, they need to schedule a one-off with Charleston. But yeah, that Clemson game would have been the – that would have been the signature win for Towson thus far. And, and right now their best win is UMass, uh, which is a good win. But they out of the top four teams we're talking about, they, they're missing that sort of signature win. I agree. And they have a stinko loss. Did they lose to Fairfield? Yeah, I believe so. That is something UNCW – and Charleston can't say. They don't have a bad loss yet. That's true. As Towson does. Yeah, and UNCW's played a really tough schedule. I don't know where they're at in strength of schedule right now, but the first couple of weeks they were like top 20 or you know top 15, something like that. Yeah. So they do have that going for them. All right, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about is kind of a, kind of a no-show. I wanted to see what we were going to get from the freshmen. The true freshmen, we've speculated on what their deal is. Uh, we know that Khalil London is medically redshirting. This was my last chance to <laughs> see them, basically. I don't, like, you're up 30 against a non-Division one team. If you're going to play the freshman, it's going to be now. And we did not see any minutes from either Evan Kilminster or Jordan Crawford. So I'm, until I hear officially, I'm just assuming they're redshirting, which I mentioned either last podcast or two podcasts ago. Didn't know if that was the right move because... I'm not sure they're going to get guaranteed minutes next year. I guess they're they're kind of both those guys are we've got a point guard and a shooting guard out of that group. I think Khalil London's also a guard. The guys coming in are more wings and bigs, but um yeah, I guess I guess we're just not going to see them this year because you would have thought we would have seen them in this game today, but we didn't. Yeah, today was definitely the low-hanging fruit for the freshmen to get some minutes and I think it on one hand it does make sense to redshirt them if 
you know, the rotation's already 10 guys and, and they're unlikely to get any time, then, you know, might as well have an extra year. But you bring up a really good point with the amount of talent we have coming in next year. If those guys redshirt, now we have this huge freshman class and you can't redshirt them again. So uh, it is kind of a in limbo situation uh, and would have been nice to even just kind of see what their games are about today. But obviously yeah. trust the direction that the coaching staff wants to go in. Absolutely. All right, one last thing before we get out of here. You wanted to talk about the uh, potential of landing in the AP Top 25, which has now become a recurring segment on this show, thankfully. Is the case better or worse this week than it was last week? Well, I think our case is about the same, considering you know the Greenville game won't be given any weight. And I maybe the Presbyterian margin of victory doesn't help us, but I wouldn't really think it would hurt us. Um, just but looking at the poll, you see Ohio State's 25, they lose. San Diego State's 22, they lose. Creighton 21 loses, and Iowa State at 20 loses. Um, so if we're still getting enthusiasm from the writers and it wasn't just sort of a flash in the pan, I, I think we have a shot to get in. Um, Iowa had more votes than us last week, and they beat Iowa State. So you'd imagine they're settling in somewhere. Um, yep. But I mean, the back end of the poll is open at the very least. Let us in. Greg Charleston, come on. What's the deal? I think I've said this before. Not to be a pessimist, I think this ship has kind of sailed on the top 25 thing. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm just ready to just win the games in front of us. I think nobody would have expected 10-1 and at the 11-game mark. I'm just trying to enjoy the ride. If it happens, it happens. It'd be really cool. But I just want to, I think the Cougars just need to, A, take care of Stetson. For anybody who forgot, Stetson gave us maybe the worst loss of the year last season. We go down to Florida, and Stetson just stomps Charleston. I forget what the final score was, but it was a game Charleston was supposed to win, and they lost, I think, by double digits. And then Coastal Carolina is going to be no cakewalk. That's on the road up in Conway. So doesn't get any easier. Charleston did look a little sloppy in, against North Greenville. Hopefully they put together some some good practices now that exams and, and the semester's behind them. And then there's that quick turnaround right before the first conference game against Hampton at home against TD Arena should be an easy win for Charleston. And then the Towson game that we're all uh, anticipating where you and I are going to throw a big party. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, the kids are already talking on Towson. It's the, the party of the year. <laughs> uh, I did have a couple odds and ends from some college basketball analytics sites just to throw out real quick. Um, yeah, let's do it. Evan Mia does like player-based ratings, uh, like ground up from players to the team. And I was just poking around all the ratings for the players. And Charleston is the only team in the conference where all the players have a positive rating. Even if it's, you know, marginally above zero, almost every team wow. has a negative player. So that's pretty interesting. Okay. And then just the sort of contemporaries of Ken Palm, uh, Bart Torvik and Eric Haslam do have the Cougars ranked higher than Ken Palm does. Um, so the Cougars are 63 on Bart Torvik and they're 77 on Haslametrics. And the next best teams are Towson at 113 on Torvik and UNCW at 116 on Haslam. So a bit of a different picture um, in terms of top of the conference on the other websites. Yeah, Towson and Charleston have been kind of flip-flopping right or like just a few positions away from each other on Ken Palm. And I know Ken Palm, I'm guessing some of the preseason stuff still factors in. It's probably not heavily weighted, but maybe it's like 10%. Um, that's a bigger gap than I would have expected on Bartorovic and Haslametrics, though. Yeah, I was kind of surprised not only to see, like I thought maybe, you know, Charleston 
is a better team than 99. So uh, when I saw Charleston at 63, I figured Towson must be 70 or 65 or something like that. Yeah. And yeah, so those two do have a, a decent gap between us and the next team. Interesting. Well, as they say, the game is not played on paper. You gotta go in. You gotta go into the Baltimore suburbs on New Year's Eve and and prove it to the world on CBS Sports Network as as the world globally tunes into that game. Any other cool stats? That's all I got. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you rolling through. Uh, I think I'm on the fence if I want to take a, a holiday break now or next week. So, Holy City Hoops listeners, stay tuned for updates on that. But there's not a lot of games between now and conference play. I think one game this week and one game next week or two games next week. But Redshirt Jr., thanks for rolling through, man. And uh, we'll leave it with a go Cougs. Thanks for having me, Tommy. Go Cougs. <laughs>